the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Joel, I don't know if I've given consent to be transcribed, man. And just exactly what is that if they transcribe you? I... Can you get Craig to look into that for me, please? Thank you very much. Hi there. Welcome. It's, it's Lifeline. Andy Froyland this evening, and it is a Truth For Today Lifeline edition. Normally, we have Pastor Phil Howard joining us, because after all, he is the voice of Truth For Today, but he is also the voice of reason when it comes to his grandchildren, and mm. sometimes grandchildren take priority. Mm. So he's back in, was it North Carolina? South Carolina. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So he's back in South Carolina enjoying uh, some grandchildren, and boy, I understand that part, because um, I'm not enjoying my grandchildren, and I wish I was, but that's another story. We have... Jo- <laughs> Are you ready for this, Paul? I am 100%. Are you sure about that? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. All right. I am 100% ready. Okay, so here's the deal. Truth for today, we get Lifeline last Friday of every month around here at KFAX. Pastor Phil uh, gets to join you, and we get to spend time in God's Word and open up the phone lines, answer any questions you may have Mm -hmm. about Scripture or about life. That's how it works around here. And we're more than happy to answer any questions you might have that uh, kind of fit in. 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X, that's the number, 888-367-5329, if you would like to chime in tonight. So filling in for Pastor Phil, who's enjoying his grandchildren, uh, now uh, let me back up just ever so subtly. If you'll remember, we've been referring to Pastor Phil as Pastor Emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Now what that means, that's that's the official technical jargon, if mm-hmm. you will, for he be retired. <laughs> Path of Path of Phil's retired, man. Mm-hmm. He's retired. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is Valley Bible Church in Hercules, uh, while he is the pastor emeritus, the actual pastor is a rather new guy, mm-hmm. still wet behind the ears. He's just a kid. What are you, 36? Thir- you nailed it. 36. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Look I'm- at that. Oh, I need to go to work at a carnival. Yeah, that was pretty good. You can you want to guess my weight as well? 114. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> it looks about that. Remember, I am wet behind the ear, you so are, there's so water weight there too. Oh, you got to well, compensate see, you go. for that. You got to include that little in the in the formula. Yeah. yeah. Pastor Phil Phil. Pastor Paul yeah. Crandall. That's right. Joins us. Now, you used to be the youth pastor here at Valley Bible. True. A few years back. Yes. So you And many of the stuff that I broke back then is still broken now that I, yeah, <laughs> being uh, back. So that's great. 
you know, somebody needed to fix it. <laughs> right. Thought, eh, we'll give you a shot first. I just try to keep all the facility managers, you know, employed. Yeah. So that's what a youth pastor's <laughs> job is to do. Uh, now my job is to condescendingly look at the youth pastor as he's breaking something as if I never broke something myself. Exactly. So. And then be, be quiet about it. Because, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, the pot calling the kettle black. So. Mm. Pastor Paul joins us here this evening on Lifeline, and he is the go-to guy when it comes to questions you might have Hmm. regarding Scripture, life, and uh, especially tonight as we get together Hmm. uh, on a a little more of a serious note. We are gathering together in rather a unique time Hmm. in our culture and in our society, and uh, we wanted to spend some time, Paul wanted to spend some time tonight talking with you uh, out of, I think, Deuteronomy 30 is where yes. we'll get started. But just this whole idea of culture, race, mm-hmm. and what does Scripture have to say about it all? Yeah. Where do we stand with all of this in light of God's Word? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really, at the end of the day, Paul, uh, that's got to be where we start. Yes. We start anywhere else, and we're going to miss the boat, aren't we? Absolutely, absolutely. And so, what I wanted to share, and hopefully get some interaction, you know, from our from our listeners, is just to kind of give a personal journey uh, that I've had through Scripture, through my daily devotional uh, reading of God's Word, to how 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 am I responding or trying to prepare myself for the proper response, you know? Um, and so, I just you know completed Deuteronomy a couple weeks ago. And really was struck, I thought, by this pinnacle moment in the life of God's people in Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is where they're about to enter the promised land. And I, it, it felt like so they're on this kind of precipice moment. You know, they're really on the edge of either great glory, right, or great defeat. Right. Uh, they've been here before, right? And uh, in Deuteronomy, this is kind of their second uh, time being close to the land. Uh, of course, before they did not get in. They did not trust God. They did not fight that battle correctly and God made them wander in the wilderness for for 40 years until a new generation arose. And so what this really struck me was we now have a, a generation that's being uh, exhorted by Moses, this great leader, great, wonderful, powerful, dynamic leader, right, who, who break, basically broke the back of the Egyptian uh, power through his um, uh, deeds and, and miracles, of course, empowered by God, led the people out of slavery, brought them to this moment that they've been waiting for hundreds of years since the promise of Abraham, right, to finally get this culminating moment. So they felt like they're on the edge. And so that really resonated with me. Because I think that's similar to where we are at. I think as followers of Jesus Christ, as the church, we are at a moment right now of stepping into either something really great because many are looking and listening for answers to how to speak to not repeating the past. And really that's Moses' exhortation is remember the sins of your parents and don't, don't do what they did 40 years ago. You know, so um, let me just start. I want to jump right into the scriptures and let the scriptures kind of speak for themselves. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to start with verse 15. It says this, so Moses is telling this to the people as they're about to go into the land. He says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. That right up front, I mean, we're talking about a generation who's been wandering for 40 years, been wandering because of their parents' sin, their lack of trust. And so they've been, in a sense, victims of their parents' choice, right? They were considered innocent. That's why they survived. And now they're here on the edge. And so they have to really evaluate themselves to say, are we going to do what our parents did? You know, are we going to repeat the past? And this is very important for us, you know, in, in our modern day culture to ask that question. 
it's good to look back and it's good mm-hmm. to evaluate the sins of our past. Um, and really the same thing happens again with Moses' predecessor, Joshua, right before he dies. So in Joshua 24, I'll read that. This is right before Joshua dies. He wants to commit to the people, okay, we've, 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 we've gone out there to the promised land. We've, we've kind of fulfilled this promise in a sense, or God has, right? We've, we've actualized the promise, however you want to uh, say that. And now Joshua has got to say, okay, here's my last speech. So it's his, his Deuteronomy moment, mm-hmm. right? right? And he does the same thing kind of that, that Moses did. He said, we've got to not repeat the sins of the past. I'll let the scripture speak. Here's, here's Joshua 24, verse 14. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he goes really far back. He says, even the gods of Egypt is what he mentions. It's interesting. He's pulling them back in their history very, very far. You know, you could say hundreds of years he's pulling them back and saying, and in his speech in, in 24, he even mentions uh, even Israel's history before that. And so what is he saying to us? He's saying we have to, we have to examine the past. It's wise to be introspective, but it's wise to be introspective and really evaluate not only your trajectory, but where you have come from and what, what past sins have been present there. Um, so I felt like that was something that was really resonating with me um, and how I needed to do that same kind of evaluation kind of moment. And I think right. we need to do that as followers of Christ in our history. Yes, sir. Well, I was just going to say we we do, but we need to be careful that we don't go too far with that. And True. I think that's what we're seeing a lot of, at least yeah. in our culture, where we're taking it a, a bit too far yeah. in two specific ways. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have to take a time out here in just a moment. Mm. So I think what we'll do is go ahead and stop for our break. But yes. during that break, here's what we can think about Let's as we return back. Those two separate ways that we can take that kind of thinking just a bit too far. Number mm-hmm. one, trying to eradicate the past right. instead of remembering it. Yeah. And then number two, going further than just remembering the sins of our parents and actually thinking that they are our sins as well. Right, right. Okay? Over, over-identifying, over Over-identifying, that's good, that's right. Good, that's good. So let's do this. Let's take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Pastor Paul Crandall is our guest here tonight on Lifeline. And you can reach us at 888-367-5329. That's the number. 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Right now, let's head off to the KFAX Traffic Center. Mr. Michael Bennett, patiently waiting to give you your traffic report. Michael? And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. It is a truth for today evening. 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. You have questions about Scripture, about our current culture, and what Scripture has to say about it. Well, the doctor is in. Dr. Paul Crandall joins us this evening. He is the senior pastor at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, the one who uh, took over for the pastor emeritus, Pastor Phil Howard. And so tonight we're just kind of looking at Scripture and uh, understanding our current culture from a scriptural perspective, as it were. And as we left for the break, Paul, we were talking about uh, what Scripture what Moses is calling the the nation of Israel to do. Mm. 
And there are a lot of similarities between that and what we find ourselves experiencing now. But I see us going a bit too far, at least right. sections of our culture going a bit too far with right. some of this. And, and boy, that, that takes us down a dangerous road. Right, right. I think there, you know, in like what, what you said is there can be an overburdening of ourselves with the past. And mm-hmm. there could also be an ignoring of the past, almost, uh, I think, as you said, like kind of uh, taking away the past, which I think, you know, Scripture itself is a history, right? And we see even as Scripture is being, you know, written and the people of God are moving into the promised land, they're kind of doing what God has asked them to do. They set up different stones, memorial stones, moments to say, uh, when we get this far in our journey, when we've gone past this moment, and we want the truth to pass from generation to generation, we want them to remember. One of the greatest sins of the people of God was that they did not remember uh, we see this in the Psalms. Uh, the kind of rebuke is, you forgot me. And, mm-hmm. and many times we yeah. find God saying that, you forgot me. I was the God who delivered you from the land of slavery, and you forgot. So we never want to forget. We want to remember. And I think there's this balance in Scripture, and it's a delicate balance. Um, there are, you know, predominantly the Scriptures are talking about a me confession posture. But there is at the same time a we confession posture uh, that I think we have to be balanced with. So... You know, we see the me kind of confessional posture when it comes to Ezekiel. Ezekiel um, 18, it is Ezekiel 18, verse 20 says, The soul whose sins shall die, the son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So that is very much the me confessional Right. That I need to own my sins, repent of my sins, um, and I will be judged for my sins. Uh, When God uh, put uh, my sin on the cross, Christ died for my, you know, my sin. And when I come to him, I must repent of my sin. There's very much a personal ownership. At the same time, we want to be balanced because we see that we confessional. So you get David or sorry, Daniel in exile Mm -hmm. uh, in Babylon. So the people of God. So fast forward. They don't do what Moses told them to do. They don't do what Joshua told them to do. Uh, They lose the land. They lose the promise. Then they're taken captive into exile. So they move from slavery, promised land, to slavery again. Yeah. But Daniel reflects on this, and he, he, he remembers the captivity of his people. But Daniel, as we talked about even before, as we were just kind of having lunch, we reflected that Daniel is probably one of these most godliest characters in the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, uh, so we would call him, if anybody needs to confess in the Old Testament, we wouldn't put Daniel at the top of the list. Yeah. And yet in Daniel 9, we have this deep confession, and it is a very much a we confession. Let me just read this from, from the book of Daniel. It's Daniel 9. This is verse 3. It says, And then I turned my face to the Lord. And I think he's, he's pointing his eyes towards Jerusalem. And he's uh, praying. It says, Seeking him by prayer and pleas of mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So he's not just, I mean, this is a deep, methodic, um, it, not light, but a, a, he's in a mournful posture. And mm-hmm. his prayer is also one that is begging for mercy. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands. Verse 5 says, We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophet, who spoke in your name uh, to the kings, our kings, princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. So you see right there, he's owning something. He's saying the trajectory of our people 
has gone in the wrong direction. Right. Right. And so I think that you have now it's a healthy balance to to know that God will judge me specifically for my sin. Right. For my wrongdoing, my transgression. Uh, but there is a sense in which I should be mindful of the past, remember it, to not to repeat it, uh, and I can confess a sense, a, a corporate sense of my people have gone in this direction. Father, let us not be that kind of again. We are we are very individualistic in our justification, but every other aspect of our life is very corporate, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's yeah. good. That's a, I think that's a really good way to say it because you know for the 21st century American reader. We are very much, uh, uh, you know, we pride ourselves as Americans on on individual liberties and these different things. And so yeah. a, a, a corporate and collective kind of mindset is lost on us. But really, that's foundational to the biblical narrative. Yeah. I mean, from the very beginning, we are in Adam, right? And now we are in Christ. Now, I don't like to be in Adam because in Adam, right, that's how I fell yeah, into exactly. sin. Yeah. But I am very thankful for the corporate identity I get to share in Christ. Yeah. So it's it's you know it's that two-sided coin of if you want to be judged as only an individual and never have this sense of corporate identity, well then you miss out on the redemption of redemption of Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, so I think you know going back to this kind of race issue uh, and this tension that's in our nation, for me I started to reflect and just say, oh, are there are there sins in uh, my past story, in my past history, in my families, and and as an American citizen and all these different things. Uh, that I can, like Daniel, confess, learn from, not forget, not throw away, uh, but but move on from. Right. You know. You, so yeah, you see what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah. there is a me sense and there's a we sense to that kind of that kind of dynamic. So really, I guess if we were to put it in one way, hmm. uh, it is not up to us to seek forgiveness for something we haven't done, mm-hmm. but it is up to us to make sure that forgiveness is not needed moving forward. Yes, that is a, I think that's a great way to, to put it. I'll give you an example. Um, and, I, and I share this because, you know, my mom is very comfortable with this. And my mom, uh, as we were talking, you know, before the broadcast, my, my mom's sobriety coin is 36 years old, which is my age. My mom made a choice um, to uh, change her life around. To not to no longer you know uh, abuse alcohol, and I only share that story because my mom says, Paul, if you ever are preaching and that story can give somebody hope, uh, then I'd love for you to share it. And so I think you know for me, you have to be mindful of those things. You know, there's there's a sense in which yes, you do in, inherit you do inherit sinful habits. You know, you do you you can't say that you know explaining some of these generational things is like trying to explain water to a fish right you don't get it because you're always in it yeah you know what i mean but but it's very real that those things are there and we have to be introspection and introspective and mindful and examine our past and say how can we not repeat it you know so i think that's a great way for you to uh formulate it there not to need forgiveness for it but to make sure we never repeat that and then have to need forgiveness for it and again right there it's learning from our past learning exactly. from our history and what is the old saying those who uh, forget history are doomed to, to repeat, repeat it, it. and I, I think that's where we're headed if we're mm. not careful with ourselves it is a challenge to be able to think introspectively through all of this but then also take that introspection and work it out corporately as well mm. 
which is what we're doing here tonight, by the way. Pastor yes. Paul Crandall from uh, Valley Bible Church in Hercules. By the way, the phone number is 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X, 888-367-5329. If you have a question for Pastor Paul, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, comment or thought about the current situation we find ourselves in the middle of. That would be uh, that would be the number to call, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, as you look at this narrative with Moses, mm-hmm. and then we, like you said, we see it again with Joshua. There's an assumption by Moses that, as much as he's warning the nation, yes they're still going to stumble. Oh, yes, yes. It's the worst motivational speech to leave your people with. <laughs> it is. It really, like, cause, okay, so we, 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 we went to the middle of Deuteronomy 30, you know, where he's saying, I'm putting this before you. Do not repeat the sins of the past. And so you get this kind of charge-up moment. He's like the coach. It's the fourth quarter, guys. We're going to make it. I know you can make it. I know it's fourth and one. I'm running the ball. We're going to do this. We're going to win the game, right? You get that sense of excitement, anticipation. But really before that, he told them, hey, guys, you're not going to do it. Let's be, let's just be honest. You're not. You know. So in the beginning, uh, Deuteronomy 30 starts this way. It, it, this is verse one. He says, "And when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you, and you call on them to to your mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you out." So he just set them up saying, "By the way, you're not going to do it." Yeah. You're not going to make it. You can't do this. Like think it like so he's like, "All right guys, I'm going to put you out on the field. It's fourth and one. You got to you got to get in. There's there's not enough time. We're we're down by four. We got to score a touchdown. Guys, I want you to know we're running the ball, but you're not going to make it. We're going to lose and we're out of the playoffs." Like <laughs> Like what like what is the fullback at that point going to do? Yeah, right. Why would I want to block? Yeah, <laughs> Who yeah. wants to snap the ball at that point? Yeah. Uh but that's the sobering reality at which the really the Old Testament leaves us at is a sense of, of failure. We get to we get to the point where we're on the cusp of of experiencing the great blessing that God has for us, and we can't make it. Yeah. We can't make it. But you see, and, and we have to take a break, so this is where we will take a nice little time out because yeah. it's a great spot. It leaves us alone with the cross, doesn't it? It does. It does. It's, it leaves us alone with the only, only, answer to this hopelessness. Amen. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We do have to take a quick time out. It is Lifeline with Andy Froyland and Pastor Paul Crandall. And you, if you wish to call, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. Also, we've got to look at your traffic. Uh, Michael Bennett is over there patiently waiting. He's got his uh, thumbs in his ears waving at you from the corner. Michael? And now back to Lifeline. It's Andy Froyland, Pastor Paul Crandall from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. It is our Truth For Today Friday, and along with yourself, we're just scouring God's Word, taking a look at uh, what God's Word has to say about all of the all of the challenges we find ourselves looking at and living in the middle of here in our current culture. And uh, Paul, it's. Uh, it's totally escaped my mind as to where we were going to go. We, I, <laughs> I had told you just before the break what That's we were going to do, That's didn't true. I? Yeah. We were on fourth and goal. Fourth and goal. Fourth and goal. And the coach just said, you're not going to run in the ball. Like, it's I, not going to happen. That's and, where we left. And I had a senior moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was, that was, no, we, so we, we kind of left with the idea that Moses gives him this speech. Leaves him hopeless. Yeah. And then leaves him in a state of, but by the way, you're going to do exactly what your parents said. 
or did, and, and you're going to lose the land, and you're going to find yourself in captivity. But he gives a sense of promise, which is the beauty of the Old Testament, because as, as dark as it gets sometimes, as the indictment really falls on the people of Israel uh, for their failure, God always gives this, this glimmer of hope that just grows and grows and grows until the moment of Christ. And we see this with Moses in, in Deuteronomy. So I think we left off verse 2. Uh, so I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in at verse three here of Deuteronomy uh, 30. It says this, Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and you will gather you again for all the people, for all, from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If you, out, if you are outcast in the uttermost parts of the heavens, so as far as the sky is, you're, that's where God's going to bring you from. From there, the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. And here's the important part, right? God is now speaking of this inward work that he is going to do. And then it says, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. And right there, just that phrase with all your heart, with all your soul, loving God. This is the Shema. This is what uh, Israel will repeat on a daily basis. This is the core of the commandments from Deuteronomy 6 is uh, the core of uh, our pursuit of Yahweh, our pursuit of God is to listen and to love. And he's saying you cannot do it because your heart has not been changed. And this is why the reading of the Old Testament is supposed to leave us on a low note. You know, it hits that minor chord. It right. hits that that depressing valley moment of you get frustrated. Like I remember reading the Old Testament as, as a Christian for the first time. And for some reason, I started in the book of Ezekiel. I don't know why. Like people start in John, first John. I started in Ezekiel and I'm starting to read this and, and I'm just getting into I get to the end. I, I see this grand temple that's being built and all this stuff. And then you get to the point where the people of God finally come back into the land. You think it's this moment that he's talking about. Then they build this tiniest, puniest temple with no Ark of the Covenant, which is a symbol of God's divine presence. And God doesn't show up like he did. He doesn't show up like he did when they first uh, uh, brought the temple and dedicated it with Solomon. And I remember finishing my Bible thinking, this is terrible. Like, like if I'm just being honest and vulnerable, this is a really bad book. Is this a Russian novel? Like, what does it sound so depressing, you know? And, and I, right, I honestly right. believe that's the mo- that's exactly what God wanted, to give us a narrative and a story to remind us law won't work. Law won't work. Uh, if you just correct your hand, it won't work. You need a correction of the heart. Right. Even in even in how he lays out the law, you know, the law, there's 600 commands are over in the, in the Old Testament. Right. And we, you know, we think of 10, but there's 600, but they're not all given at one time. They're given. And then then right after they're given, there's a there's an act of disobedience. And then they're given more laws and an act of disobedience They're given more laws and an act of disobedience. What is God trying to show them again and again? Law won't work. I could pile the laws and be as specific as possible. And you're unless your heart is changed, you're going to do what your parents have done. You're gonna, you're, you'll become your parents as much as you hope that you're not. You will. You will repeat mm-hmm. those generational sins. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he changes everything. And so this is what Jesus, this is what John the Baptist in his first encounter with Jesus, this is from John 1, I'm read verse 29. It says, the next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, so he's going to wipe away our past. He's going to be that great sacrificial lamb that we heard about in the Old Testament. He's going to take away our sin. 
And it is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. And I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Israel will know the one promised to circumcise their heart. Verse 32, it says, The Lord bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. And I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, it is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I bore witness that this is the Son of God. Right there, that last part, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. That is the circumcision of the heart. This is Ezekiel. This is Jeremiah. This is the Old Covenant. I can fix you from the inside out because that's how deep your problem is. And so I, I, if I'm honest, I feel in that, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Depressive optimism, right? Which doesn't sound correct. But I feel oxymoron. Right, it does. But there's a point of which I feel like we are going to do one of two things. It feels like we are either going to be what Israel was. After Deuteronomy 30, they get into the land, Joshua conquers, but then we go to the book of Judges, and it says everybody does what they want in their eyes. In their own eyes. And it's just downward spiral, bad leader after bad leader, big sin after big sin, over and over, this downward spiral away from what God would have. And does it get better? No, we get a king, we get Saul. And then we get, it's the great David, but then we get Solomon. And then we, and then the kingdom is broken. And then it's just this, this repeat over and over and over again, brokenness, 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 brokenness. I'm afraid yeah. if we try to rely on law and legislation, we'll do the same thing. Modern vac- vernacular, if we try to rely in our own strength. Yeah. We're going to fail. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, and tell, we either are going to embrace Jesus Christ as the only one who can change us internally or we'll repeat the same sin. So part of me is very excited about this moment that we could potentially speak into the lives of, of think about the collective consciousness of the globe right now, right. is thinking something is broken, right? And that's usually the beginning of a gospel conversation. Mm-hmm. There is brokenness. I feel the brokenness. You feel the brokenness. There is brokenness. You don't have to tell anybody the world's broken. If you don't know the world's broken, you haven't been watching TV, you haven't been on Twitter, you haven't been on Instagram, you haven't been on, well, maybe you've been on TikTok, and that's why you don't know there is a broken world. But but I hope you haven't been on TikTok. <laughs> right? Oh. But there, there's that sense of like, it's aware to everybody, and the church has the answer. Don't run after law. Right. Or we'll just repeat the same thing again. Run after Christ, the one who can baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, sin, sin, rinse, repeat, sin, rinse, repeat. This, that's the, it's our current society, isn't it? It is. It is. So. Sadly, it is. But Christ is the solution. So I am depressingly optimistic. Uh, depre- yeah, it fits. <laughs> I mean, as oxymoronic as it is, it is a proper term for yes, the current yes. place that we find ourselves in. Because while it is depressing, the potential mm. for Christ is extremely optimistic. I oh. mean, this is, you know, oh. He's got us right where we want him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. It, it, it is a moment. It is if you think about it just on a on a historical standpoint. Imagine what we have if the disciples, if the the great pastors that we read in church history, they have we have the the globe is listening. Billions are listening. What's the voice that we're giving? Bingo. What are we saying? And mm. that takes us to what are we praying? Mm. Father, will you give them an ear to hear? Amen. That's, you know, and they do. The, the, the answers are there. Mm. And while many may seem to not look for those answers, that's what they need. Amen. So, Amen. Another time out. Well, let's, uh, let's put a bookmark right there. 
We will pause for station identification, pay a few bills, keep a few lights on, and check your traffic. All that fun stuff. All right. Over to the KFAX Traffic Center. Mr. Michael Bennett has a look at your KFAX traffic. Michael? And now, back to Lifeline. We are. It is uh, myself, Andy Froyland, Paul Crandall, Pastor Paul mm. from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. If you have questions, we... I don't know that we might have answers. But you might have questions. But you might have questions. And we would like to hear those. You betcha, man. 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888-367-5329 if you'd like to chime in. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, we are searching God's Word to come up with some uh, answers for you this evening here on Lifeline Hmm. as it pertains to the uh, current crisis we find ourselves in the midst of as we try and find our way and chart a course through... Uh, racial relations, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's pure and simple, and and believe me, I, you know we were talking about this during one of the breaks. Uh, you know, a couple of white guys, and we're sensitive hmm. uh, for those who might be black listening. Go, oh yeah, just white guys trying to justify hmm. what they're trying. We hmm. know what you're thinking. Hmm. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but we know what you're thinking. Hmm. And it's our hope and prayer that you start listening to uh, not us. But God's word, Hmm. I think God's word speaks for itself. And uh, I trust and pray that you find us humble enough that it's it's not us trying to get you to swallow our pablum. Hmm. Rather, it's us trying to get you to see God's word and Hmm. the the greater goal. Hmm. Uh, You may think that you need some kind of uh, healing and some kind of fix to make your life better. We've got the answer. Yeah, Paul, you've got the you've been talking about it for the last hour, and we're going to continue to talk about it for the next hour to come. It's not a temporary fix. Amen. Amen. This, this is a this is a complete overhaul and an eternal answer. Yes. That we've got. Yes. So as we left off um, during the last segment, we're realizing that what we've got is pretty hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which which leaves us. With all the hope in the world. Yes. I mean, as you said, you know, you read through the Old Testament and it gets pretty dire. Yes. It's not until we get to the New Testament that we, we begin to see the shadow mm-hmm. of that Old Testament and the reality of Christ to come and that eternal answer that awaits us in grace and mercy. Yes. Not anything we can do. Yeah. And I, I think there's the, there's that, I think we can all identify, you know, that, that we want this world to be better. You know, we, we, we want to be better. I think I could go that far. I think anybody listening wants to be better than where, uh, than where they're at, you know, would, would admit to, to weakness, to, to brokenness, would admit that they're not everything that they could be or everything that they ought to be. I think we all have that, you know, I like to call it the agonizing ought. There's something in us that says, this is not how things ought to be. There's something wrong here. Right. And then and then if we're I think if we're honest enough, we're able to look in the mirror and say the same thing. I am not as I ought to be. And I, and I think if we span out and this is what really captivated me in that passage in Deuteronomy 30 and also in Joshua 24 was that we as a we as a people and I want to say we as a even as a nation, I'm going to focus on a little bit just on America here, is that we as a nation need to look in the mirror and see that that our brokenness just keeps rearing its head you know our weakness keeps coming out and it, it's so incredibly apparent i think we're a little we're more aware of it now right now in the heat of this moment 
But we have a history of brokenness. We have a history, just like the people of God. Israel have a history, and they waited for Messiah, for Christ to come, the one that could change them inside. And so for me, when I was reading through Deuteronomy, I asked myself the moment, you know, I'm not an an Israelite. Um, I'm of German and Swedish descent, and uh, and I'm American, you know. And so are there any any sins in my my people's history and, and my nation's history that I need to be aware of so I don't repeat them, right? And so what I, I kind of just, you know, went on a journey with, with all of this and, in, in, you know, reflected on like the transatlantic slave industry, right? Probably one that's really foremost in our minds right now. You know, you, you think of this industry of, of, I think the numbers are 10 to 12 million Africans were ripped from their homeland, brought here as property, you know, brought here uh, to work as slaves. And then this started a history uh, of, of just, I mean, you think about it. many peoples have come to this nation in the name of ambition, but not our African brothers and sisters. Right. They, they didn't come, yeah. you, you know, at least in the transatlantic slave industry. Of course, there's, there's, there's other, uh, uh, there, there are Africans who have come here uh, in, this, in, the, in the name of uh, ambition, but not in the sense of the transatlantic slave industry. No, they were brought here, captive here. And then, you know, you have the Emancipation Proclamation. You have, a, you have the, the idea that no longer are you this, but, but, you know, you take the chains off and equality doesn't fall into your lap. You know, you, you don't have you, you have certain disadvantages. You, you don't have you have a lack of education. You've probably been uh, uh, removed from your family. You may honestly have one less foot. You mean you may have been disabled right. by your owner. And, and so you have this kind of industry that, you know, leads then to segregation, leads to then Jim Crow, leads to all these issues. So we have this this pattern in our nation. And I think the underpinning of this pattern is that there's a sin that, that lies underneath that. And I think it's it, we, it's fair to say, I'll say it like Daniel 9, if we do a we confession, this is an American sin, is that we we devalue life and then we can dispose of it. If I can look at you and say that you are not like me because you don't look like me, or you're not as uh, of, of, of enough worth or value as me, uh, well then, the disc, discard you is easy, right? Which is crazy because we pride ourselves as a nation um, to defeating that ideology in Nazi Germany. You know, right. my, my grandfather fought in the war. Uh, we, we talked about that, you know, right. j- jumped in twice uh, uh, to fight the, the Nazis and that ideology that said that the Jews and other peoples, you know, I think six million Jews. And then I think you can tack on like five million other uh, peoples that weren't of the Aryan race, you know, um, and, and they were devalued first and foremost. They, they pushed in that mentality and then when that mentality uh, had root, then they could be disposed of, then they could be exterminated, you know. And so we we won that war, you know. And, and we really, as, as Americans, we, we don't even think about the allies. who <laughs> It's more right, like, yeah. no, we did it. You yeah. know, Captain America <laughs> came in there and, right. and won the war, which is honestly, that's when I teach my kids, we talk about, you know, these different Steve things. Steve Rogers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I tell them, like, you know, Grandpa was basically Captain America. You know, minus the shield and, you know, the colors and the riding right. of the motorcycle. But he's pretty much Captain America. My grandfather's still alive. He's 94. Uh, and so, I, you know, he's a hero to my to my kids. And so it's funny how America, we have this triumphal moment, maybe one of the, the, the biggest moments of triumph for us. We romanticize World War II, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that we defeated this just terrible monster. Uh, yet... That m- mentality 
was the foundation of our economy. The slave trade was the one of the foundation points of our economy. That idea was still in us. And the sad thing... Hydra is still alive. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's tentacles. Because <laughs> now it changes, you know. Yes. You move into... And I hate to say it this way because it sounds a little... I don't know. Uh, Disingenuous? No, I want to say it almost sounds vulgar because I... And what I mean by that is we've done the same pattern again. We have. And that is now we devalue a different life. It's like it's like it's like we don't change our habit, we just pick a new target. Right. You know? And and like right now since 1973, Roe versus Wade, we've killed in in just America six, uh, 60 over 60 million yeah. babies. I mean, you think we're talking like that's 10 holocausts. Yeah. You know, if you if you're doing the if you're doing the math. I mean, we have essentially and, and again, I know this sounds really abrupt and hard, but if we're introspective and we think about do we still as Americans devalue and then discard? We do. And we're really actually very good at it. We're efficient. We we do it and then we move on to the next one. So yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and and at some point you talk about that, uh, Paul, and mm. I can't help but think that many of our black brothers are going, wait, wait a minute, you, mm. you haven't sufficiently fixed us and you've already moved on to the next one. Mm. Don't don't talk about, I, I don't want to hear about abortion right, right. now. I, I want to I, I come back and look at me again. It's yeah. not quite done yet. Yeah, yeah. You haven't quite fixed it. Yeah, which I think is the same problem. You know, it, or the, it's the same tension. Let's call it that. It's the same tension that we leave off the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah. You know, because the problem is heart deep, right? And this is where... I want the I want everybody to be able to walk in the street and feel safe, you know. I, I and, and I I want everybody uh, to feel like police officers are there to serve them. Uh, I, I mean I remember growing up with a very high view of the police force. Oh yeah, yeah uh, very high here. view. I've never been concerned, worried, been pulled over or anything. I think when honestly when I think I get pulled over, I think okay, uh, you know I'm I'm. I was doing something wrong. I probably have a taillight out. I probably was speeding or something right. like that, right? Now that I'm a pastor, of course, I never do anything wrong, you know? Uh, but I always think, okay, I'm going to strike oh, up a conversation. Oh, oh, oh. Let's, <laughs> Slide let's, that in there real quick. <laughs> let's just hope the elders aren't listening <laughs> yeah. tonight, shall we? Yeah. No. So, But I think to myself, I think, of, oh, I'm going to strike up a conversation. Maybe yeah. we'll talk a little football and I'll get myself out of a ticket or something like that. There's no fear in me. Yeah, yeah. But then I know, I know, and I've talked to friends uh, who who are African American, and they'll even tell, even with the high view of the police force, and maybe they have people in their family who have served in the police force, they can they have a tension in them right. and an anxiety. They worry about their hands. They look again. Where are they? Should I put them on my lap? Should I put them on the steering wheel? Right. Should I go get my license and registration, which is in the glove compartment? Right. Like think about that. I mean, I've heard that. Yeah. Should I move or should I just stay? And the worry and the sweat. So that that's of course not the world that we want and here's here's what i'm afraid of i think i think legislation is great i think it, you know i think it's good i think it can cause change i think uh peaceful demonstrations can also do the same thing but nothing will ever change our heart you can't legislate the heart no you can't it it's just too bad according to ezekiel the stone has to be replaced with yeah. flesh yeah and moved yeah. to obey decrees amen right? Or we're going to continue to just repeat ourselves. It's like a broken record over and over again. Right. With a new, with a new life devalued, and a new life destroyed. 
Pastor Paul Crandall, our guest tonight. Mm. He is the sit-in resident doctor for our Truth Today Friday edition of uh, Lifeline here on KFAX. Phone number, 888-FOR-KFAX, if you want to join the conversation. An hour down and an hour to go. Time flies when you're having fun, isn't it? It does. It does. More as the frog said, time's fun when you're having flies. That's a whole nother uh, edition of Lifeline. We'll let Craig deal with that. In the meantime, we'll let Mr. Michael Bennett deal with some traffic. So let's head off to the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael's been patiently waiting for this very moment in radio history. Sitting there watching the linoleum in the corner of his kitchen curl, he turns to us and says... 